and he displayed towards her a devotion which was as passionate as it was ephemeral. Young as he was, he could talk impressively. He left her head reeling with magnificent prospects. The scope of his ambition left her breathless, and when he proposed, as eventually he did, she accepted him. Bennett, despite his youth, was a tempestuous lover. He had very big ideas for one of his station. Sometimes he would talk so grandly that even the people who knew him best believed that he was on the point of receiving some exceptionally good appointment or was about to inherit enormous sums of money. He had had his smaller adventures, and fate and an excursion ticket had once carried him to his first view of the sea at Yarmouth. At his then impressionable age, Yarmouth became the first and only seaside place where happiness was to be found. The Cockney's devotion to his first love in this respect is proverbial, and there is little doubt that Yarmouth was, for Bennett, an enchanted beach ever after, just as Hastings is to the writer, and Brighton to so many hundreds. The marriage to the music teacher was a hurried affair. They appeared one morning before a London registrar and were made man and wife. With marriage came disillusionment for the girl. The great schemes began to dissipate into thin air. The fine appointment which would have secured them, a detached house and a garden, and possibly some poultry at the back, did not happen. Bennett made his living by a succession of little jobs, none of which he retained for any time. He was a grocer's assistant, a sort of shop walker. Odds and ends of jobs came his way. His leaving was more or less hurried, and where there was money to be handled, was accompanied by a suspicion, amounting in one or two cases to a certainty, that in his yearnings for gentility, Bennett had cast overboard the principle that holds a man to honesty. He became a canvasser, selling sewing machines, and his plausibility and qualities of salesmanship earned him good commission. There was some suggestion that not all the orders were genuine, and a possibility that he sold some machines outright and collected the money for them without accounting to his employers. Mrs. Bennett had an aged grandmother with whom the couple were living. She had a small allowance, sufficient to keep her, if not in comfort, at least beyond the fear of want. Her possessions were few, but amongst them was a long silver chain and a very old-fashioned watch in which she took great pride and to which she attached such importance, though it was in truth a very clumsy piece of jewellery, that she made one of those informal word-of-mouth wills so common to people of her class by saying, When I am gone, this is yours, my dear. Eventually she died and the chain passed to the girl. By that time she was not greatly interested in chains or watches, and even the death of her grandmother brought no very great increase to a burden which was already more than she could bear. The passionate youth she had married had developed into a bullying, hectoring young man who never ceased to find fault and who cursed her openly and privately for ruining his life and who did not hesitate to beat her. A child had been born of the marriage, and while it was coming, she had been subjected to every kind of indignity and ill-treatment. So Bennett moved from job to job. 
His limited education restricted his opportunities, and there was the additional handicap that he had often to rely upon characters and references, which were obviously forged. Of much that would be interesting about this period to the criminologist, there is no trace. It is certain that Bennett was engaged in some nefarious business, for he was changing checks for large sums and had suddenly changed his name and become Mister Hood. In this name, he and his wife and baby left somewhat hurriedly for South Africa, and it is certain that at the time Bennett had sufficient money not only to pay the fare out and maintain himself in Cape Town, but also to pay the return fare. When, after a very short stay in Cape Town, he decided that South Africa offered no opportunities to a man of his ability, and returned. Relationships between the Bennets were now strained. The man had grown tired of his early love. Told her she was a millstone.